0: morning morning. Um, when my parents had uh, their first child was my brother and then a year later my sister was born and then the doctors told my parents that they couldn't have children anymore and so five years goes by and you sort of believe them you know a little bit and then 10 and then 15 and then when 20 years uh, goes by it's pretty solidified that that's what's happening But uh, then my mom went to the doctor when she thought she had the flu, and the doctor said, you don't have the flu, you're pregnant. My sister was already married. Both my brother and sister didn't live at home anymore. And then my mom is pregnant. (laughs) And I think at first you're mortified, and then God does a work in you, and you're excited. And then in our family's life, what happened then, uh, just uh, a short while later, is as a baby, I was diagnosed with leukemia, cancer of the blood. And uh, so just try to process that, sort of that moment where you felt like God must have done some form of miracle or curse, I'm not sure which, uh, to have us <laughs> have this child. And then this child now has cancer? Like what in the world are you doing, God? And so out of obedience to the word of God, they called upon The elders of the church, as it says in James 5, the elders of our church came into my hospital crib and anointed me with oil, laid hands on me and prayed for healing. And the next round of testing of my blood, there was no sign of cancer found. That it was gone, I was healed in that moment. Yeah, it's radical. I had to go through this sort of blood work, special blood work testing every year in addition to my normal physicals, and they would check this. It used to make me super mad as a kid that I had to do this. I hated it. I even punched the doctor once, uh, (laughs) and they had to hold me down, but I just, there's like these vivid memories of having to do this, and um, until then one day, they're just like, okay, I guess we believe it too. I want to ask you, do you believe me? Do you believe this? Because you might think, wow, cool story. Like, I don't, no, that's not, that's not real. I'm telling you, this is my testimony. This is my life. This happened to me. But do you believe it? Do you even believe that that sort of thing is possible? That that could happen? That we have a hope, a hope for more, as we said, a hope for more in this life. A hope that God can work a miracle in our life. That God's power is bigger and more possible than your minds can ever imagine. Do you remember uh, when the whole 1980 um, Olympic hockey team, the ice hockey team, where they were playing against the Soviet Union, and at the end of the game, they're winning the game. The game's about to end, and Al Michaels, in this most famous moment, he says, Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And it was just this awesome moment, because it was not possible, they thought, that the U.S. could beat the Soviet Union's hockey team. And so there's this famous call, do you believe in miracles? Yes! That's the question for today. Do you believe that miracles are possible? Do you believe, I would say too, in the hope of the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus could be risen from the dead? Because as we head towards Easter, two weeks out, Easter Sunday is two weeks away. And we're going to contemplate on that even through those those prayers. We're going to celebrate that with excitement of, wow, this is incredible. The resurrection has happened. But I want to prepare us for a hope that really rises from the ashes of of death, of, of despair, of of depression of all of the struggles in our lives even today we have a hope that rises a hope for more because of the power of the resurrection. And so I want to walk us through a bit of we're going to be looking at in this series 1 Corinthians 15 as we this is our kind of Easter series passage. We're going to save the first 11 verses for Easter Sunday because that's the like That's the crescendo, but um, which he starts with the crescendo. But this part, you might not even have seen it that often, uh, verses 12 to 34 that we'll look at today. And so I encourage you to grab your Bible, grab a device, um, whatever that might be. Your Bible's just a device as well, so your paper one. But we all have different devices. Um, So verse 12, let's read, um, actually, let's just read these first four verses, 12 to 16. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. All right, so what are we talking about here? We're talking about that this, that resurrection hope requires a belief in miracles. Okay? For us to have a hope that rises, a resurrection hope, it requires a belief in miracles. So the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, Corinthians, to this church in Corinth, to town about an hour's drive from Athens in Greece, and there were people here and also in some of the surrounding Mediterranean world at that time that straight up just did not believe that bodily resurrection was possible, okay? That was a, a structure outside of their entire framework of things that could happen. They didn't believe that that was a miracle that could happen. Even if they believed in God, they would say, this can't happen. Bodily resurrection from the dead isn't an option. (laughs) And so Paul's like, hey guys, if that's not an option, then Jesus hasn't been resurrected. And if Jesus hasn't been resurrected, then this is all worthless. There's no point in doing any of this. That we have to have this kind of belief, belief that these things can happen. And I would say, even for us today, we have to have a belief that we don't get to limit God. We don't get to say what God can or can't do. God does whatever He wants, all right? God does the supernatural. God is supernatural. God is everything. God is natural and supernatural. He's created the entire framework and the order. So if He chooses to break it, that's His. That's his decision. Okay, so I want to just check you a little bit. Where are you at with this? Have you limited God in some way? And let's just kind of talk through like some of like kind of how we're wired that can lead us towards some of that. Um, I've I've shown you this before. Um, but I think this is a helpful thing to think about. All of this surrounded by love, but this word, deed, power. We need all of this as we, as we head into the mission of God, as we do the mission of God, as we live lives of following Jesus. We need word, deed, and power. All right. Now, if you're someone, you you might be a little more inclined towards word. Okay, so truth, knowledge, uh, studying the Bible, uh, logic. Like, this is just how you are are wired. And that's good. We're supposed to study the Bible. We kind of learn all of this stuff from the Bible. So we need to be able to be word people, right? And so what happens if you're a little bit overly, uh, you know, if you're a little too far of word only— then you begin to think that like, you're skeptical of doing good deeds or you don't trust certain uh, experiences of God and things like that. And you become kind of a knowledge only. And the Bible says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Right? so we want to be able to check that now you could be deed and you're like deed is good we need we need to be able to do good works we're commanded by the word to do good works to serve each other to care for one another to help the poor uh, all of that right we are called to do that and so but if you're like overly into the deed section you might be like uh, kind of turning it into a social gospel that just by doing good works that's enough that's all I need there doesn't need to be good news news as well. And then you've got power, and that's where you see um, the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, an experience of God, encountering God, healings, miracles, all of that would go into that power area. Now, if you're too far into the power, you might just be sort of seeking experience for experience's sake, not because you want to encounter God and not because the Word of God has commanded you to do that or not because you have a heart for the mission of God to be accomplished. So there's certain ways that we have to just recognize we need all of this, right? Now, you might be sort of inclined to one or the other. And if you're naturally a little more word or deed inclined, it might be a struggle for you to believe that miracles Can happen, that the supernatural realm is actually something, is actually real. Um, And then, even as you sort of process that, of where do you naturally lean, uh, another sort of framework for you to think about is this these four postures of supernatural expectation. Okay? So, where do you come, like, how do you approach this sense of, okay, God works in some sort of supernatural way. Here's how I come to it. Now, the first is this. Some would say nothing happens every time. So every time you would pray for healing for someone or every time you're hoping for some experience of God or to have a sense of the love of God in your life or any kind of supernatural thing, whatever that could be, spiritual warfare stuff, all of that, right? There's just people that say, "Nope, that never happens anymore. That was for then in the Bible, and it doesn't happen now, and never can happen." Right? So that's what some would say. Now others would say that everything happens every time, and that anytime you actually successfully, you know, drive to work, that has been angels holding your car up and delivering you safely, you know, to your parking place. And it's just everything is this supernatural work, and everything is um, every time someone prays. You know, someone's leg gets chopped off, you're going to pray, and it's going to grow back. I don't know. There's just like radical, everything happens every single time. Now, others would say, we would say that everything happens some of the time. Okay, we truly believe that. That the radical healings, the radical stories of demons being cast out of people, whatever that could be, just the outpouring love of God that to the point of falling on your face in tears before him because you've experienced his, his, his just beautiful love, it's just overwhelmed you. That happens some of the time. That's not happening every day, but that does happen. And then we would also say that something happens every time, okay? Something happens every time. It might not be what you wanted to happen, but something is happening as you pray, as you seek. Whatever that could be, something is happening. God is working and God is moving in some way. And so I want you to just kind of look at that, we, like the word, deed, power. Even these different ways of thinking about how God works supernaturally. And like where, where do you fall on that? What is your natural inclination? How's God been growing you? What are you thinking about? You know, you're sitting there just like, what in the world is happening here? You know, maybe you're number two. I don't know. know, So it's just like, think through where are you at when it comes to how God works supernaturally. And then I would say, where would you like to be? How would you like to see God moving in your life in some way or in this world in some way? How do you approach the supernatural, the miraculous? Where would you like to be? And then just even think about what do you need to do or what do you hope to experience to be able to grow in that? That could be scriptural teaching, that you need more biblical teaching to help you understand that this is something in the Bible, show me where, how does it say that? You might need some more of that scriptural teaching. You might need a mentor, or a discipler, someone to help you along the way with this, coming alongside you, discipling you, helping you know how this is part of following Jesus. You might even be just needing an experience of God's power in your life in some way, like, Lord, show that to me, please. Maybe you need someone to pray over you, to pray for you, for something in that realm, right? I don't know what exactly, but you just, you need to be prayed over for that. What do you need as you are hoping to grow in this area? It's my regular prayer for you that you would meet God in some way, beyond what you sort of just have a knowledge about God, but I want you to know God intimately, personally, to know about him, yes, and to have an experience of him, to actually know him. That is my ongoing prayer for you. Even something I do every, um, every Sunday, I pray for you regularly, all just as a general for our church, but every Sunday... I walk, this, uh, I walk the perimeter of our campus every Sunday morning. I come early, and I start in the back of the worship center here, and I start with just saying, Lord, some, some personal just confession of sin for myself and approaching the Lord, and then I, I recognize the authority that I have been given. I recognize the authority that I have been given as a child of God, as God's Son as that means the son of the king, a prince in his kingdom. I recognize that authority and that I am a sent one by him, as we all are. And then I also have been placed in this authority as the senior pastor of this church. And so I say, Lord, I recognize that authority that you have given me. And now in that, I say, Lord, this entire territory, this place, I claim this as yours. This is your place. And as I walk around, as as wide of a perimeter as I can get around this entire place, I walk around and I'm praying for God to rebuke the enemy, for God to cleanse this place of any distraction, any opposition that the enemy has already brought here. And I pray over you as you arrive that God would allow you as you come in that it would almost be as you're walking in or you're or you're driving in the driveways that that the spirit the power of the Spirit of God would be pulling out any demonic or other kind of distraction or opposition or division or skepticism or cynicism or doubt or um, like any kind of argument or anger whatever that is that is in you even a even a sense of tiredness and attack of enemy in that way, that God would remove that from you. So that as you come in here, you could be open to the movement of, of God in your life as you're here in this time. And I, and I walk around the entire campus, and I pray that God would put like a dome of protection over us. Because I think a hedge of protection is weird. Like, I don't think bushes do that much. So I'm kind of like praying for like uh, a, more, a stronger protection. And, and like, so I'm praying for that, and I'm praying that God would would really move in this place and in you, that this would be a thin place, that it would be a thin divide between heaven and earth, between the natural and the supernatural, that as you come in, the argument that you're in with your spouse or your friend, as you drive in, as you step out of your car, somehow would be soothed, that somehow would be comforted or relieved that the, the anger that you have, that God would meet you in that and just bring you here with an expectation for more. That's my prayer for you every single Sunday. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would meet you today in a way that he never has before. Because I don't want you to know about God. I want you to know God. Amen. And so I pray that you would join me in that prayer. But mostly what I would pray is don't be like the Corinthians and close yourself off to what God will do in your life or can do in your life. Don't shut the door to God. Open yourself to him. God will meet you. God wants to meet you. And so I pray that we would have an expectation and an openness. Stop folding your arms. Stop doubting. I saw one of you just do it, but that was just because it was comfortable. It's okay. It's okay. No judgment. Uh, <laughs> it's comfortable. I understand. But like that posture, let's, let's have that posture towards our God of openness and receptiveness. Because my friends, we have no hope without the resurrection. If we don't believe that God can do miracles, then Jesus isn't risen from the dead. And let's see what he says in verses 17 and 19 about that. He says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost and if our hope in Christ is only for this life we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world those are strong words right this is the bible this is paul speaking to the church in corinth these are strong words everything depends on jesus rising from the dead literally bodily not just some sort of like he like spiritually Like went up to the heavens or something. No, he came back to life, walked around in his human physical body, and people saw him and interacted with him, and then he ascended into heaven much later. Without that, it's all pointless. This preaching I'm doing now, all your prayers, coming to church all the time, having hope for anything, honestly, the Bible, the rest of this, it's pointless. It's worthless without that. If the Bible is just, you know, like, just a nice way to live, that's, that's what's to be pitied, Paul says. That's to be pitied. We had this sort of um, a pendulum swing of sorts uh, where it felt like it used to be that preachers and people, we'd always just say, like, hey, you got to get saved. You got to believe in Jesus. So you get saved and go to heaven, right? You got to have your sins forgiven. Go to heaven. Go to heaven. Go to heaven. That's all we talked about. And then there was this sort of good shift in some way that said, yes, it's about go to heaven. We need, we need Jesus. We need the gospel to be saved. But we also got to recognize that we, we also need the gospel to live each day. We need the good news of Jesus for our everyday life as well. We need God's grace to live. We're saved by the gospel and we live by the gospel. So there's this good kind of thing of that, but I feel like then, I don't know, we sort of almost pendulum swung too far towards that where we, we aren't talking enough about eternity, about heaven and hell and all of that, that we need the truth and the power of the resurrection For us to be saved, to spend eternity with God in the new heaven and new earth as well that he creates. He's going to create this whole new heaven and new earth that we will live forever with him in his presence. Living in relationship and work and all sorts of purpose and good things together in that. Yeah, we got to remember that, that we need forgiveness and grace for that it is so important it's both both a hope for today and a hope for eternity because without that resurrection power that's all pointless but again if you're like i don't know if miracles are real i'm not sure you've sort of closed the grid to the possibility of that I heard this. Or I read this. This cool story that this guy Nt Wright uh, told, uh, and it was the story of this, like basically just a kid that was trying out for a basketball team, like a middle school basketball team. tries out for the middle school basketball team, and I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried out for a sports team, but that that time between when you tried out and when, whenever they reveal who made the team, that's total stress, right? That's like. That's extreme stress. Maybe other than for a middle school uh, person, like other than like weird middle school relationship stress, you know, that's probably like the most stress. Uh, But um, anyway, like this kid tries out for the team and then he's going home and he gets home. He gets a call from a friend that's like, hey, you made the team. I saw your name was on the team sheet that was posted up at school. You made the team. He's like, yes, I made the team. And then he goes outside, and he tells his other friend that's out there, like, I made the team. I'm so stoked. Uh, and the guy's like, how do you know? He's like, they posted it up on the team sheet. And he's like, oh, well, then you didn't make the team. And he's like, what? Well, no, you couldn't make the team. That's not how we do it. They, they don't post up a team sheet. They email your parents. So if you found out from that guy seeing the team sheet on the wall, well, then you didn't make the team. And he's like, well, no, but I, but I made the team. And he's like, well, no, no, that's not how it works. So then you couldn't have made the team. This is the same thing that I'm talking about with, like, miracles, the supernatural. This isn't how it works. It couldn't be true. That's not how things are supposed to happen. You might think, you might even be very scientifically wired, and you're like, no, especially this really can't happen, you know? Like, this is not a possibility, (laughs) <laughs> the whole point of miracles is, is it outside the realm of possibility. It is exactly not the way it works. That's how God works is not the way you think he will work. So I want us again to continue to say, okay, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, I know I'm skeptical, and I know that I want things to be ordered in a certain way. Help my unbelief, Lord, but I know that you are risen from the dead. Because the thing is, we do have hope because Jesus is alive. We have hope. We have hope because of him. And it's worth any risk possible. Any risk that we could ever imagine. Check out a little bit more of what he says here. I'm going to read 20 to 23, and then we'll just bump ahead just um, to verse 30. It says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Down to verse 30. And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts— Those people of Ephesus, (laughs) such a roast to the poor people of Ephesus, by the way. Okay, what value is there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there's no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. Remember who he's talking to here. These people that don't believe that the resurrection is a thing that can happen. And he's saying, you don't know God at all. (laughs) Okay? He's saying, like, you're sinning in this. You've limited God in this way. Because it's only the resurrection that makes The crucifixion not look like the worst ending ever to a story that was supposed to be a story of hope. We have, the resurrection has to happen, or this is just all a really tragic tale of a person who said some nice things, but then that's it. And this is, if this is true though, it's worth all of the risk, right? It's worth anything that we would go through, whether that's an awkward conversation or whether that's actually the danger of our lives like it was for Paul, or if that's tackling like the opposition of a people that he refers to as wild beasts in their opposition to him as he's presenting the resurrection, the truth of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection to them. It was worth it all. Um, I'll tell you a story that kind of, I think it will show you a miracle, and it will also show you how it's, worth the risk, and we all have roles in this. That, uh, I was talking to Brian Smith, who preached a couple weeks ago here, in a really powerful, powerful message, but well, I was talking to him about another story that, um, that he didn't share with you yet, but was this story where it was about uh, five years ago, when he was living in this place we call the Land of Mountains, um, and he was living in this place and sharing the gospel, and he was doing a prayer walk. And kind of even like as I was talking about prayer walk around the campus, he was doing a prayer walk around um, his city in his area. And just praying for God to, to lead him, God to give him opportunities for the gospel. And he said, while he was on this prayer walk, God gave him a picture, an image in his mind. And it was the image of a man sitting under a tree. And God, um, he, he asked his did he asked God for, for more specifics. And God gave him more. And he said that this man's name was Aslan. And this man was a heavy chain smoker sitting under a walnut tree. And he's like, God, what? what Like, what? Like, like what in the world, you know? (laughs) And God just says, like, hold on to it and wait. And so Brian um, wrote that in the the notes app on his phone, all the details of that that I just shared with you. He put that in the notes app of his phone and he was praying for this this person um, over the next months and he went back to it and said, God, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And just hold on to it and wait, hold on to it and wait. But he kept praying for it and God just kept telling him to hold and wait. And then recently... He was just talking to some people from uh, the, the country next door to the land of mountains. And these people have, are, are Bible translators. And they were sharing this story of like a success story of something they'd found in a, a people group in the land of mountains who had had their first believer their first believer in this whole language group, and this believer was becoming a, a leader, and that was, oh sorry, that was part of even the notes too, was that, that of Brian's image, was that this person would, would be a leader as well in some way. And this, this, this guy that these people are telling this story about, his name was Aslan, like legitimately his name was Aslan, And this guy was this leader for his people in this movement of Bible translation and evangelism to his people. And so Brian asked, can I just ask you a question? Is is this guy a smoker? (laughs) And they said, yeah, this guy is a heavy chain smoker. And guess what he's doing to raise money for his work so that he doesn't have to uh, continue in his job, and he can stay focused on the ministry, is he sells walnut tree saplings to be able to raise the funds for the ministry work. Radical, radical specificity within this story and just a beautiful celebration of God at work. Do you believe this? Do you believe that's a possibility? Do you believe that's how God works? That's how God worked in Brian's life in this incredible way. Now, honestly, sometimes too, there's a sense of placing ourselves at risk in some form of risk where we do see God tend to work and show up in some way. Not just like radical go to some place that you could be killed for your faith kind of work, but even just stepping into risk in some way for the mission of the gospel. And so I want you to consider, like, that's a, a miracle that happened that Brian was praying for, but also wasn't like actively involved in or didn't have to like, you know, he wasn't doing something other than prayer, right? Which is the work. Prayer is the work. I always think about, I think about the guy, like some guy at the back of the feeding of the 5,000, which actually was supposed to be only the men, so maybe it's somewhere between 10 to 15,000 people. It's a lot of people, right? Like I think about some guys like at the very back and like someone all of a sudden hands him like some fish and some bread and he's like, How did I get this food, you know? Like, he doesn't know what happened. (laughs) A miracle happened, but he didn't, like, What I can't hear. Like, what's going, you know? I can't see what's happening up there. It's just like, but he got lunch, and God provided for him in a miraculous way, but he wasn't involved in every aspect of it, that God might be working in miracles in your life in some way. And it might even be easier for you to believe that Jesus rose from the dead than it is for you to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you and bring you his comfort and his love and his care for you. That might be even a harder thing for you to believe could happen. And then just one last thing from the passage I want to look at and as we kind of head towards the close, there's this part that says, bad company corrupts good character, okay? Bad company corrupts good character. This is actually Paul quoting an Athenian playwright as he says this part. And this is kind of even a common expression today. Bad company corrupts good character. You know who he's saying are the bad company that will corrupt your good character? He's saying the people that don't believe that miracles can happen, the people that don't believe that the resurrection is something that can happen, they are those who are bad company that will corrupt your good character, stop sinning and believe. Kind of intense. But that's for us to recognize. We cannot limit God. God will do what God wants. And my prayer is that God will do more. A hope for more. A hope that God will work in radical ways in our lives and then through us in radical lives for the mission of the gospel in the world. Have you experienced the miracle of Jesus in your life? salvation, resurrection power in your life, or an experience of God in some way, I wanna invite you into an encounter with Christ like Paul had on the road to Damascus, like the men had on the road to Emmaus, like the women had when they approached the empty tomb and turned around and saw the gardener, and it was Jesus. Have you opened your mind to the possibility of the resurrection of the dead, of miracles happening in your life? I ask you, open yourself to that. We do live in this sort of weird in between, the now, not yet, of after the resurrection and before Jesus returns. That there's still suffering in this world. That it's not, our prayers aren't about us getting like our laundry list of the stuff we want. That's not like what this is about totally, right? So there's gonna be struggle, there's gonna be suffering, there's still gonna be pain in this world. But we believe that God will work and God will do more and that God can work a miracle in your life, the miracle that you need. And so as we respond today, this is what I'm asking for, okay? This is what I want you to consider. I want you to open yourself to this, to come forward for prayer for the miracle you need in your life. That could be that you need salvation and forgiveness from Jesus that you've never received before. That could be that you need a healing of just, of even like repentance of God, forgive me of my doubt, forgive me of my unbelief. Lord, help me to believe. That could be to come forward for prayer for inner healing or physical healing. Physical sickness, addiction, hidden sin, a broken heart trauma or abuse you've had in your life, maybe a lack of forgiveness that you have in your life towards someone, or what you hope to receive from someone. Maybe it's healing from a a betrayal that you've experienced in some way, and you need God to do that kind of inner healing in your life. You have the miracle that you're asking for, for a loved one or someone you know to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you, you need that. You know it's a miracle of God for that to happen. Lord Jesus, I need that. To come forward, to ask for prayer for that to happen. To experience God, to encounter Jesus in a way that you never have before. And you want someone to pray over you for you to have that. You want to pray for, to be commissioned and for the Holy Spirit to empower you for the calling that God has placed on your life. And you just want to have that spirit power in the way even that, that Brian was talking about in his story. To have God meet you in some sort of lack that you have. Financial, emotional, spiritual lack that you're asking God to meet you in. To have God heal you of whatever sort of spiritual malaise you might have. Just a blah that you have in your life when it comes between you and God. I'm, praying, I'm just praying to the ceiling and it's bouncing back. God, meet me in that in some way, to believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, to believe it. And so I'm asking leaders to come to the prayer points, wherever up front. I'm asking you this, you guys, like we've been, we've been continually asking you to come forward for prayer, to come forward to respond in this way, because I wholeheartedly believe that we have a hope for more, okay? This isn't because we want to see some sort of thing happen for us as leaders here. Not at all. I want you to experience God, to know God, not just know about God. And so please take the risk. Please take the, the chance that you've been given. You've been given an opportunity right now. You're being given an opportunity to meet with and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't just let it go. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna walk up on off the stage. The worship band's coming up now, and we have a time to be able to sing, to come forward for prayer. Let's take advantage of it. Let's pray. Almighty God, I, I thank you that you are a God of miracles. And Lord, I pray that the miracles that we see happen in the scriptures and we see happen in far corners of the world so often, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would see them happen in our lives and in the gospel ministry that we are part of, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to each person in this room, that your Holy Spirit would descend upon this room and upon your people in a way that people have encountered you like they never have before. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would repent of our doubt and and disbelief, Lord. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I ask for healing in my life. I'm gonna walk off this stage and ask some friends for healing of a physical sickness in my life. Lord, I pray that you would would meet me in it, Lord. Meet my friends here in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.